It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Good morning. So uh, it's the first Sunday that I am preaching in February. So uh, we like to just uh, zoom out a little bit of uh, what God is doing, not, you know, not just here in Perth, not just live, but also uh, beyond our four walls, beyond our Perth metro area. So, you know, I say this every month, all that we see when we gather together here in Perth, all that we see is not all that there is. And uh, we have three kind of front-facing avenues that we use to fulfill our mission. This is what we call our live experience, which is great if you live in the Perth metro area and you're uh, willing and able to be here from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock on a Sunday. Great. Thankfully, our reach isn't limited to people who can tick those boxes. Beyond our live experience, we have our online experience that's literally live now, uh, 10 uh, every Sunday and 5 p.m. And then we have our podcast, which we take the message from our live experience and we publish that on most, well, all um, good podcast platforms. And... uh, that's, that's approaching 80,000 listens, uh, which is a pretty exciting milestone. We actually have 510 episodes uh, there, Jared. So uh, that's pretty cool. Our media team are, are the ninjas that make this a reality, um, which is great. And uh, then in January, the top three countries uh, that listened to our podcast was India at number three, uh, the USA at number two, and a very surprise entry at number one, Australia. And as obvious as that might sound, we very rarely make the top three. But brilliant. So how about we welcome our podcast people today who are joining us for week two of a series we've called All In. Now, last week, Steve Hall launched this series with us, a message called I'm Invited. One of the important things for us as a church and for us as Jesus followers is to look at what Jesus did, and, and that gives us an idea of what was most important to Him. And Jesus actually had this uncanny habit of prioritising unlikely suspects with His time and His attention. And as the body of Christ, it's incumbent on us to be that today, to, 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 to prioritise what, and I'm going to use the term that, that Jesus would have used in His time, what re- the sort of people that religious people were surprised that Jesus prioritised. And uh, so I encourage you, if you um, missed that, you can go back and listen to that. But it's, it's what Jordan was saying a moment ago. It's about being the sort of church where people can come in who don't have it all together, who don't have to fear of being judged. I mean, Steve shared a story of a lady who who had a sense that maybe she was meant to go into a church and she sat at the steps and asked the question in her mind, am I going to be welcomed here? And actually concluded that she probably wasn't. And so she left. And, And we have to like strive to ensure we have a reputation 
in our community that that's not who Elevate Church is, that you can come in as you are. And the great thing is that maybe you don't have to stay as you are, that Jesus can do some transforming. Today, I want to lean into this idea that I'm influential, that you're influential. Now, this is a word, influencer. You probably heard recently, bandied around. And uh, I'm pretty sure I know what you think of when you hear the word influencer. Now, I went on to Urban Dictionary. I don't recommend spending a lot of time on Urban Dictionary. Uh, You'll have to take a shower after you read certain definitions of things. But here's how Urban Dictionary defines influencer. A word Instagram users use to describe themselves, to make them feel famous, and more important, when no one really knows who they are or cares. Usually the type of people that call themselves foodies and post pictures of their avocado and toast because they can't really do anything else interesting. Usually also post their last holiday asking someone to hashtag take me back. (laughs) And and I I know I first read this and I'm like, who hurt you, bro? Um, It's a very scarred individual that wrote this definition. But look, this is not shocking that this is how the, the word influencer would be framed today because that's literally how it's been co-opted. You know, platforms, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, defined by the number of likes and, and followers and views and shares. That's more over how influencer is defined these days. But look, I wanna go back to the more classic definition. I've got nothing against this. In fact, some of the tools and these platforms, if you use them to make a difference and not just make a noise, they can be very, very powerful to to actually influence for the better. So there is opportunity. I'm not here to dunk on anyone who might fall into this category, but let me just go back to the classic definition. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines influencer as a person who inspires or guides the actions of others. And the reason I like this definition isn't because it's classic and I'm old school, anything like that. It's, it's, it's more because the other group is, a, is sort of a, a, an elite niche category, the people with the millions of followers and so on and so forth. But, but let me tell you who falls into this category. A loving parent, a teacher, a coach, an Elevate group leader, an Elevate team member, a community volunteer, an encouraging text message sender. You know, the person that you get shocked when someone texts you and they don't, they're not asking for anything and they're just texting to say something encouraging. Influencer the life-speaking colleague who likes to gather in the break room to speak life about you when you're not there, the boss who builds staff up, not just expects them to meet KPIs. Influencers. Now I wanna go to another level of a definition that I would say is the most important way to define influencer. And I put it this way, an influencer is a person who is reaching people and building people for Jesus. 
you know, I'm all into teaching kids coding and, and, and maths and, you know, algebra that they'll never use again. Uh, I mean, great, fine. But look, this is the most important thing that we can, on the time we've got on our planet, to influence our people in. So by definition, we can and are invited to be influencers. Matthew, one of Jesus' biographers, uh, recorded Jesus' teaching, what ultimately has become probably his most famous uh, sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And he, Jesus kicked off with uh, blessed are the cheesemakers and talked about all that sort of stuff. Um, some of you are familiar with that. And, um, and then he segued into this. This is the very next thing in that same sermon that he talked about. And this is to the crowd gathered here. He said, let me tell you why you're here. He didn't mean like here on the mountain listening to me. He meant here on the planet. Why you're here. And I, I say this every single time that I read this, that first sentence grabs my attention. Jesus, he's answering the question, why am I here? Purpose, meaning, like... Oh, you're here to be salt, seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. See, salt enhances things that already exist. And then Jesus, like, again, if, if that metaphor didn't jive with you because you're scared of getting high blood pressure, uh, let's try another one. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. Again, they exist. We are called to be light to bring them out. God's not a secret to be kept. And here's the thing about light. Light changes everything. And I know this. Why I know this is because I, I'm, I'm, I'm an early riser. I get up before the sun gets up. And uh, so therefore, by definition, it's pitch black in our bedroom. And, you know, the obvious thing, because our bedroom then is effectively a trip hazard. Uh, the obvious thing for me to do is to turn on the light. The wise thing for me to do while Louisa is still trying to sleep is to not turn on the light, to instead use the force and navigate my way through the bedroom into a public sphere in our house that doesn't shine into our bedroom. Because see, if I was to turn on the light, that this is the reality, light changes everything, including 25 years of marital bliss. Speaking from experience. One of the takeaways of this is, is salt, being salt and being light is about influencing. Influencing things, people that already are within your reach, who are already there in your sphere. See, you don't need to have tens of thousands of followers on social media to be an influencer. You just need to prioritize investing in the people that are already in your sphere to be salt and to be light. So the question I'm putting out today is, are you, are we individually intentionally focusing your influence on what matters most? And that's the people in your sphere leading them towards Jesus. So if you've got your smartphone camera, how about you scan this flow code? I'm going to take you to something that John recorded. John was also one of Jesus' hand-picked 12, had a front row seat to Jesus' entire public life and ministry. 
And John records very early in his biography of Jesus, he records an interaction that Jesus had with someone who actually, when you read all of the biographies, actually nearly tops the charts of someone who became an influencer based on her encounter with Jesus. Now, the context that John sets us up in is that uh, Jesus had just uh, finished um, doing some, some stuff in, in Judea, and now he was to go to Galilee. The shortest distance as the crow flies between Judea and Galilee was to go through a region called Samaria. And as obvious as it might seem to take the shortest distance when you're hoofing it on you know, two feet, um, Jewish people, who Jesus was, Jewish people would never do that. They would never go like into, let alone pass through Samaria because actually the Jewish people and the Samaritan people, they were actually like arch enemies. And there's a very long and uh, involved backstory, which I don't have time to get into. But let me tell you, in this moment in history, when Jesus was, uh, you know, faced the, the, the prospect of, do I go through Samaria or not? At this moment in history, Jewish people didn't even consider Samaritan people as being human. Okay, that's a pretty low regard right there. <laughs> but Jesus went through Samaria, chose to take the path that he wasn't meant to culturally. And this is John recording, Jesus was worn out by the trip. Some of you right there are like, oh, I can relate to Jesus. <laughs> Every Thursday morning. Sat down at the well. He's one of those sat down at this particular well. It was noon, and a woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Let me double click, don't just go back. Let me double click on this fact that John inserted three word sentence, it was noon, which is like, so what? Women who were the sort of domestic CEOs in that culture, it was their responsibility to go daily to draw water from the well, but they wouldn't go at noon, not in Samaria, because Samaria was like hot, like peak Perth summertime hot. They would go very early in the morning while it was cooler, and they would also just technically, that would be a bit of a a gathering session, sometimes another thing starting with G, but gathering session. This woman was not in the habit of going out first thing in the morning because there was other women from her village there. And I'm gonna come back to why that matters. Jesus says to her, and not only are Jewish people not meant to be in Samaria, they're not meant to talk to people from Samaria. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? And then he said, actually, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, actually, you'd be asking me for a drink. And I would give you fresh living water. Now, I like this lady. She was a bit spicy. She fired back, sir, you didn't have a bucket, bro. <laughs> this well's deep. So how are you going to get this living water? And Jesus said, look, here's, here's the great thing that I'm offering here. Everyone who drinks the water that I'm offering will 
I mean, this water will get thirsty again and again. Well, the woman said, I mean, like, the woman said, okay, sure. I mean, give me the water so I won't ever get thirsty. So I won't ever have to come back to this well. So I can tick one thing off my list of things to do every day for the rest of, yeah, great. This sounds great. And now we learn why she was choosing to go to the well at noon. Jesus said, okay, sure. Uh, Go call your husband and then come back. She's like, "Um, about that. Uh, I have no husband, she said. Uh, Jesus said, well, that's nicely put. I have no husband. (laughs) A bit sarcastic. Uh, You've had five husbands and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. Five husbands and now she's on to number six, but now she's shacked up with him, not even married. I think this would even be considered somewhat like newsworthy today. But back then, this was peak scandal. See, actress Liz Taylor uh, went through seven husbands. In fact, it was rumoured that baked into her wedding vows, she had the phrase, don't worry, I won't keep you long. (laughs) And the reason I know that story about Liz Taylor is that was scandalous like three decades ago. But this woman's entering Liz Taylor territory 2,000 years ago. And so she chose to go to the well at noon because she didn't want to have the judgment and the criticism from the other women in the village. It was easier for her to go in the heat of the day to avoid what she was going to experience if she went when everyone else was at the well. And now John actually mentioned this earlier on that Jesus, when he sat down at the well, the 12 uh, disciples, they actually went to a nearby village to fetch some lunch, Subway, I don't know. Anyway, they went to get lunch. And uh, then they returned with the the lunch order, no Uber Eats back then. And and John records that these 12, they were pretty shocked themselves to see that Jesus was talking with a Samaritan woman. Like, what? And the, and the woman saw the look in their eyes and decided it's time for me to get out of here. And so she, she scooched back to the village to avoid these 12 that she anticipated were going to judge her as well. But thankfully, that wasn't the end of this chapter for the woman because back in the village, she told the people, come and see a man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside and out. In other words, like, ah, yowch. But that wasn't her vibe. Do you think this could be the Messiah? See, she didn't have to tell them her backstory. They knew her backstory. She knew, they knew she didn't have it all together. They knew that, that, that she wasn't the sort of person that God liked. And yet what she was able to tell them is that she had an encounter with Jesus. That was her story now. And... And because they knew her backstory, I mean, you, could, you wouldn't be surprised to learn if you keep reading that they said, listen, lady, you're in Liz Taylor territory. 
ain't no way we're listening to you. Why in the world would we listen to you? Why would we go anywhere with you? You have no influence here. But that's not what happened. They went out, the village people, not that village people, to see for themselves. Thankfully, thankfully, despite her backstory, she didn't crop herself out from being an influencer. In fact, she let her mess become her message. So I just want to finish and just zoom in on your story and the power that it can have. I'm talking about your Jesus story. The power that it can have when you share it. But I'm also aware that not everyone is in the habit of sharing their Jesus story. You know, some people actually crop themselves out from sharing their Jesus story, feel somehow disqualified. And, I, and, and, and the two main groups that I've witnessed crop themselves out from sharing their Jesus story, one group is what I call the hookers and cocaine group. And, and this group crop themselves out because of the scandal and the judgment and the guilt and the shame that they've got hookers and cocaine in their backstory. And if this is you, and hookers and cocaine may be a metaphor, or, or it may not, uh, I wanna strongly encourage you, don't crop yourself out. Because if you've gone from this place and you've had a Jesus encounter and this is no longer your today's story, but it is your backstory, when you share your Jesus story, you're actually sharing a rescue story. And if Netflix has taught us anything, it's that people love a good rescue story. And the reason that we love a good rescue story is because we're smart enough to know that without the rescuer, this story would not have ended the way it ended. The miners in Chile, the, you know, right now, the, the, the earthquakes in, in Turkey, Turkey and Syria, you, you know, every human that gets pulled out of those remains alive, it's a rescue story and we're on the edge of our seats. We love a rescue story. If this is your story and you've had an encounter with Jesus and it's your backstory, but you're in the process of being transformed, your mess can become your message. Let me show you what happened. Many of the Samaritans from that village committed themselves to Jesus because of the woman's witness. She didn't feel the need to start by going to Bible college. She didn't feel the need to check into counseling. She may have done those things later, but, but she simply said to them, he knew about all the things I did, just like you knew and know. He knows me inside and out. Now, another group, and these I'm talking in very general terms, and this is very much on the other end of the scale of people who I've seen crop themselves out from sharing their Jesus story is what I call the seemingly unspectacular people. And these people have cropped themselves out from sharing their Jesus story because they're pretty convinced that at the dinner party, it's just gonna turn into a yawn fest. These people don't even know where to find hookers and cocaine.
This is the group that, that Jesus actually kept from needing to be rescued. But I have intentionally called the seemingly unspectacular because let me tell you something, every loving parent wants to hear this story because they want to know that it's possible for Junior to maybe, just maybe, not have to need rescuing when he or she is 15 or 21 or 35. And in a world where it is so easy to tumble down the hill and need rescuing, where there's so many <laughs> ways to get there, to hear that actually, you know, Jesus, like we use the phrase in our society, it's better to have a fence at the top of the hill than an ambulance at the bottom, right? Jesus is both. He, he, he can definitely come along when you're at the bottom of the hill. Absolutely love that. I mean, thank God he can and he does. One of the reasons we called ourselves Elevate is that Jesus is willing and able to lift us up out of the miry clay and set our feet upon a rock a higher and better place. Love that Jesus rescues. I also love that Jesus protects. Yeah. <sighs> Yawn first. Can we just get back to the hookers and cocaine? <laughs> yeah, they might not make a Netflix documentary about your story because it's just so seemingly unspectacular, but it's not unspectacular. But he, reality is that like your Jesus story is going to fall somewhere between the hookers and cocaine and the seemingly unspectacular. Like, here's a handy challenge that I stumbled across. One of my friends in the UK uh, pitched it a few years ago. Is could you tell your Jesus story in three minutes? Because you know, like you you will have, potentially have opportunity but maybe only three minutes from time to time. Could you do it, you know? Now, decades ago, this is how you would tell the story. Let me put this graphic up and apologize. These, you can't unsee these graphics. They're terrible. They don't match. And, and, and there's a reason for that is because there's no current graphics. These are from, I had to go down to my local library and use the microfiche machine and it was a whole thing. <laughs> Because we used, this is like decades ago, this is how you would tell people, not your Jesus story, you would be encouraged to tell them the Jesus story. We're on this side of a cliff. God's on the other side of the cliff. In between is sin, so we're separated from God and we can't get over the sin, so we can't get over to God. So, but thankfully, uh, God sent Jesus Christ and he died on a cross and we can just walk across that cross and we can be in a relationship with God. Great, it's not less than three minutes, that's less than one minute. And, and there was a time when this was quite effective, right? And by the way, it's 100% true well, I'm not doubting the veracity of this being the story, but the way in 2023 that people listen and relate is more about your story than it is about the story, right? See, your story is powerful. The reason your story is powerful is really there's two main reasons. Number one is often a story is the shortest distance between two people. You never met someone for the first time and they tell you a bit of their story and you're like, 
Wow, you know, like there's a connection just because a story can be the shortest distance between two people. The second reason your story is powerful is it's your story. No one could call BS on it. I mean, they could call BS on whether Jesus was really involved or you just had some good, you know, self-help books on the coffee table. But it's still your story of life change and transformation that you credit Jesus with empowering. So could you tell your story in three minutes or less. My story falls pretty well in the seemingly unspectacular category. Sorry, massive disappointment. Never been to see a hooker, never snorted a line of cocaine. I know. I'm over here in this group, but let me, let me tell you my story and let's see if I can do it in three minutes or less. Hey Siri, set a timer for three minutes. Okay, she's on. So I, I was raised in High Wycombe in a family, in a Catholic family, and my parents are one of those rare breeds of Catholics that actually go to church uh, every week. And we, my brother and I went with them. And uh, it, it set me up with an awareness of God, but God was still like a distant kind of thing. Like, and there was a lot of tradition and, and routines and so on and so forth. And, Anyway, in my early 20s, I got involved in a, in a, with a group of young adults, 20-somethings, who happened to all be Catholic, but they started to talk about this notion that you could have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I'm like, personal relationship with Jesus? You mean the dude on the cross that's dead in every single Catholic church I've ever been in? And they're like, yeah, but he's not dead. He's alive and you should read it for yourself. And, and, and if he's who he says he is, we would encourage you to invite him to become your personal Lord and Saviour. And I'm like, I'm 21. Why didn't anybody tell me this earlier? And so to me, I'm like, I'm in. Hello, prayed that prayer, bam. No hookers and cocaine, just like brought up in the Catholic church. But, but I had massive anger issues. I've taught about them before. I'll teach about them again. Massive insecurity, uh, huge character flaws. And, and those types of things, they weren't just destroying my life. They were actually doing damage to the people in my sphere consistently. And through immersing myself in good biblical teaching, in reading the Bible for myself, which is something that you weren't technically encouraged to do growing up in the Catholic Church. It's like the, that was the priest's job to read it to you. Learning to pray, be encouraged, and so on and so forth. That over many years, <laughs> those life-crippling, ceiling-inducing issues in my life have no longer have the control over my life that they once did. And I'm convinced because of those issues, I either didn't know about them, I didn't care enough to fix them, or I didn't know how to fix them. But in the last 33 years, same age as Jesus, uh, since 21, this transformation process has continued and, and that could be true for you. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. 
For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app.